What's up, everybody, and welcome to the podcast, Dog Mom Mentality, where we strive to play with dogs and not emotions. I am your virtual bestie, Caroline, and I have my furry friend here, Layla, and we are going to give you a break from your day to talk about all things dogs and emotional well-being. If you have ever been emotionally affected by your dog, then this is the podcast for you. Hello everybody, your girl has a sinus infection, sore throat, nose runny, congested, all of the works. So I am just going to spare you all from listening to me talk and just jump right on into our guest intro for this week. I do want to put a trigger warning as she talks a little bit about her dog who passed away a few years ago, Um, but that really ties into her experience as a dog owner now. Um, So it's really important that we bring up those past feelings and how she's worked through that so that she can be a great dog mom now to her dog ranger. So today's guest is Kristen. She is 24 years old and currently works in a school as a behavioral therapy assistant in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. She is working on completing her master's in school psychology and has her 10-month-old Australian cattle dog ranger as her sidekick. Kristen says ranger is a goofy, active, and fun little dog and that he loves exploring the outdoors, hiking, playing fetch, and chewing on bones. Ranger is dog reactive and they are are currently working with a behavioralist using fear-free methods to work through his training. We are going to keep this short and sweet and just hop right on into it with our guest, Kristen. Okay, everybody, today we have Kristen who is a ranger's mom from the Northern Dingo, and they are from Edmonton, Alberta, as I just learned, which is pretty fun. I love, I think it's really cool talking to Canada people, like just being like, I I know somebody from Canada. Like, I love that. And that's one really cool thing about the, the dog community that I have found to just bring a little joy into my life. So thanks for coming on. Um, I'm super excited to talk to you today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Of course. And you actually reached out to me, which was pretty cool. I feel like I don't get a lot of those. It's more like me asking people if they want to be on it. So I'm really thankful for that. So if you just want to tell us a little bit about you and Ranger and like what you guys have been into and if you have anything planned. Yeah, for sure. So I am Kristen and my dog is Ranger. He's turning one next week. So he's an Australian cattle dog. What we've been up to lately is lots of training. He is reactive. So working on his reactivity, we just started an agility course. So that's something new and fun that we get to do once a week. And then for us, spring actually just started like yesterday Mm -hmm. where we are because We live in Canada and it's very, very snowy. So we're just trying to get outside whenever we have nice weather. We really like hiking in the outdoors. So we're trying to get back into that for spring. Yeah. And just preparing. We have some big plans this summer. So getting ready for that. We're planning to do a road trip down into the U.S. all through Washington and Oregon. So fun. Yeah. It'll be Rangers first, like big trip, I guess. He's gone away with us for weekends or things like that, but it'll be his first big vacation. So. Oh, so fun. Are you doing it in a, like in one of your cars or are you going to get a van or do you have a van or anything? 
no, we're going to be doing it in my car. So we'll drive okay. down and then we're going to be staying in a mixture of like Airbnbs. And I think we're going to throw in some like glamping yurts because. Oh, seen, that's like, so fun. Yeah. They're all over that area that yeah. I've seen and they look so fun. So we're going to give that a try. Well, we'll have to collaborate on that because we are going to the Seattle area in September for our honeymoon. And we're also looking to stay in one of the little huts or yurts or whatever you like want to call them. So maybe we could like find one and then I'll be like, okay, this is what we're staying in. Like maybe you can check it out. (laughs) Oh, that's perfect. Yes. We're going at the last two weeks of August. So probably right before you guys. Literally (laughs) right before. Yeah. We'll be going basically the last, is it the last week of September? I don't know. Like if I'm looking at a calendar, I would be able to tell you, I don't know if it's the last week of September or the second to last week, but pretty much like the same, same timeframe. And we're going to Seattle, we're flying there and then staying at a resort for a few days for like two or three. And then the rest of the time we'll be doing the, the glamping and traveling around. So that's exciting. Yeah. That sounds so fun. Yeah. Have you ever been to the U S before? Yes. I've been to the U S quite a few times. I've never been, I've been to the Seattle airport, but I've never been to like the Seattle area and I've never been to Oregon. And that's sort of like the top of my bucket list. So Oregon's my favorite. We went there a few years ago, actually on a road trip. And I, I liked Oregon a lot. I liked it more than Washington and my fiance liked Washington more than Oregon. So, but we both love the Pacific Northwest. Like you cannot go wrong there. It's really, really beautiful. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, back to, to dogs a little bit. Sorry to derail, (laughs) but like, I just, um, so you said that ranger does have reactivity. Is it dog reactivity, like humans? Like what exactly is it? Um, it's mostly dog reactivity when he's on okay. the leash. So he has had sort of moments where he's going through a tougher time where that does translate and he will react to a human as well, especially mm-hmm. if that human's like a jogger or a young kid who's yelling, things like that. But most of the time he's okay around humans. It's just dogs. It's right. the biggest trigger. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, especially if there's just like a lot of things stacked up, you know, it makes yeah. sense for them to be a little bit more on edge around humans or people that they don't know or weird objects. Of course. Yeah. So I have to ask you this question mm-hmm. because you told me that you are in education to do like psychology, right? Are you getting your master's or your doctorate? I can't remember which one. Yeah. So it's my master's. So, um, it's a master's in school and applied child psychology. Okay. So you have a lot of psychology background. So (laughs) I'm like really curious if that has helped you understand Ranger's reactivity and behavioral issues at all, or if it's like made it more confusing because it kind of conflicts or like contradicts each other. Yeah. So before I answer this, I just want to give like a disclaimer. I don't want to come across like I'm not at all saying that my psychology background makes me a dog expert because I'm definitely not a dog expert or professional which is why I've I've got hired help I'm not the expert (laughs) in that area um and I'm also not saying that dogs are the same as kids exactly that's like like why I didn't know if like some of it may contradict or it might even just confuse you more Yeah. So I don't want to offend anyone by thinking that's what I'm saying, but it definitely has helped me in some areas. Like a big 
foundation of psychology is behavior theory. So um, I've learned that all throughout my school. So I understand, you know, what like reinforcement and punishment and when to sort of utilize those aspects of learning. Um, But the biggest thing it's actually helped me with is looking at Ranger's reactivity and sort of developing, I guess, like my stance on where, how we're going to address it is we really want to look at and focus on fixing like the underlying issues of what's causing his behavior rather than just, you know, using more surface level methods to correct the behavior. Right. Yeah. Okay. Like not looking for just a quick fix. You are looking yeah. for the long-term solution. Yeah. Like we don't want it to be like obedience where it's kind of like, he's not reacting because he knows that's what he's supposed to do when he's a smart mm-hmm. dog. And he knows like, okay, if I'm quiet, I'll get a treat because to me, that's not him like easing his anxiety at all. That's just kind of getting him to suppress it. So I really right. want to address like, okay, why is he having these big feelings when he sees a dog? Why is he reacting this way when he sees a dog? What is causing that and how can we fix that? So that's sort of what's driving um, how we've went about working with his reactivity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And that is like such a good way to just go into it, you know, because a lot of people, especially if they're younger, like, I feel like you're 24, right? Yes. Um, Okay. I was going to say like, you're around my age, like, you know, this might be like our first or second dog. And we're just like, just trying to, you know, get them to be the best that they can and like trying to fit into the world and all these things. So the quick fix is, you know, the shiny object sometimes. Yeah. So it does take a lot to a lot of patients, especially to just step back and kind of go with it from the perspective that you are. Yeah. I wish more people would you know, think like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, we definitely started with more like with the first trainer we were with, you know, it was more of that like quick fix, like, oh, you need right. like, the highest value treat to distract them from the dog. And then, you know, I found like that was working. Yes. I was able to distract him with hot dogs or cheese, but we get a lot, a lot of trigger stacking. So mm-hmm. it's like, you might go fine past two dogs, but then the last dog, it's like, he's like, I can't do this anymore. I can't obey anymore. I'm so stressed. So that's when I just like, I looked at his body language and I said like, this is not the way to do this. There's gotta be right. a, a more sustainable way. Right. So you're looking at it more like less obedience, more overall mindset. Yeah. Yeah. I see a lot of, well, I'm not going to say I see a lot, but I see a few trainers that I follow, like really push that mindset over obedience, Mm -hmm. which is such a great way to look at it. Um, there are definitely still a lot of people out there though, that do think of the quick fixes and make that the shiny, shiniest thing out there. So, um, that's one thing that I've had to like, take a step back on whenever I talk to somebody, you know, be like, well, what, knowledge do they have coming to me? And like, maybe they don't know the mindset over obedience kind of outlook on it. And they're just thinking of the obedience, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, everything works for different dogs, but right. Knowing my dog, this is what's, this is what's helping us. And this is what we're going to stick to. So totally. So Ranger is still a puppy. And like, you kind of started seeing a lot of these behaviors as he was a puppy. I know you said he's about to turn one, um, but you've, you've seen these behaviors for quite some time. Right. Yeah. And so like, how did you know that it wasn't just like a puppy thing and not to overlook it and start actually working on it? 
And could you tell us a bit about like if there was anything that started this reactivity or if it's always just been like that? Yeah. So it definitely, it started. Okay. So when he, we first got him, he was very nervous to be like on the leash in the harness. And when we would take him for walks and he would see other dogs, he wouldn't react necessarily, but he wasn't relaxed. Like he wasn't, he couldn't just walk past a dog and be like, eh, I don't care about this dog. Mm -hmm. I just care about my owner. He was very intense. Like he would stare at other dogs, stop in his tracks while the other dog passed. And, you know, I didn't understand that those were signs of anxiety at the time. I was just right. I kind of chalked that up to, oh, he's a puppy. He just needs to meet more dogs. And then I made some a mistake that I think a lot of people make where it's like, oh, the best way to socialize your dog is to get them to meet every single dog they pass because right. meeting dogs is how your dog gets comfortable with other dogs. So if I could go back in time, that's the one thing I would 100% change. But, you know, because I was thinking of it as just like, oh, he's a puppy. This is what he needs. That's kind of what we did. And then mm-hmm. there was one day where we took him on a hike and it was just a short hike but it was so busy like people and dogs and it was just way too much for him and he was that's what the first time I ever saw him like react outwardly Mm -hmm. and I did not know what to do I was just like beside myself I was like what is he doing why is he doing this I know nothing about how to deal with this and luckily my older sister was there and she has a dog who was about one and a half at this time. And they've kind of dealt with reactivity. So she honestly helped me like get out alive is what I say of that hike, like help me get Ranger down the mountain safe and just kind of talked me through everything. So that was, yeah. And then from there on, he started being pretty consistently reactive. Um, So, and that's when Mm -hmm. I was kind of like, this is not, I hate seeing him distressed. I hate seeing him anxious and, you know, like hiking and being outdoors is a big part of our life. And, you know, we live in Alberta and we have the Rocky mountains. So Mm -hmm. I want him to be comfortable, you know, going outside and going on a hike with us. I don't want that to be like a, a scary or anxious experience for him. So that's why I was pretty quick to seek professional help with the first trainer um, we went to. So I kind of was like, I just, I don't want this to be a consistent issue. So that's kind of why we went to a trainer right away. Oh yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And so good that you had your sister to kind of help you work through that. What were some of the things that you were feeling in that moment? And then like maybe the first few times or first few other times that you, you saw him react because I'm sure you were, you know, scared and confused. Yes, definitely. A lot of like, what did I do wrong? Like, why is he acting like this? You know, I know I've obviously I know dog reactivity you see it but I always kind of thought it was more like dogs who had trauma or dogs who have been abused you know rescue dogs like dogs who are under socialized and I was like why is my puppy reactive you know Mm -hmm. I didn't think he was under socialized I now realize he was socialized improperly but um you know he wasn't under socialized he wasn't he'd never been abused or mistreated so I didn't really understand that at first so that's sort of what started my like deep dive into different like social media accounts and you know blogs and trainers just trying to get as much information as I could about what reactivity was and like why he was showing these behaviors yeah and since you saw this so young and you took action right away 
that kind of alleviated some of the loneliness that I feel like a lot of reactive dog owners feel because you saw out that very, very quickly. So you, you knew like you weren't alone, which I'm sure probably really helped you. Yes. I mean, there's definitely been times it's still, it's so hard. Like you all, I think there's always times when you have a reactive dog where you're just like, I'm so alone in this, but Mm -hmm. I've, there's a few like social media accounts that I've really just like, are like, we're like my saving grace, like reading some of those posts. Um, I know you've had Haley from pause and reflect on here a few times. Mm -hmm. She was a really big help for me just reading her posts and be like, okay, like she also has a cattle dog, you know, it's possible right it's possible to get over this with a exactly dog. yes and it kind of sounds like uh ranger and scout have similar like behaviors when they see a dog or what how scout used to act um and so it is like a really good way to look at Haley and scout and be like okay this is possible i love yes. that <laughs> i love that so you've talked about like why you feel like training him is so important just because you want to do like you're looking at it more from a mindset perspective and less of like an obedience. So curious to know how you find motivation when handling Ranger, your reactive pup, um, because it can be really, really draining at times, especially with the puppy, since he probably has so much energy. (laughs) Yes, he definitely does. Um, I'm not going to lie. I have definitely had so many moments where I was just like, you know, you just want to like, throw the leash on the ground and sit in a ball and cry like on the middle of the sidewalk. And, you know, I've cried on a walk before. I'm going to just put that out there. Like it has not been an easy road, but um, me too. <laughs> yeah. So what kind of just motivates me to get through those, like you really have to learn to like, like celebrate the small things for what they are. You know um, it's like, if your dog walks past like three dogs and he doesn't react And then that last dog, he reacts. You don't want to let that ruin your whole day, right? Like you need to be like, no, he still was able to get through this situation and succeed, things like that. Um, And yeah, just focusing on all his little wins because like reactivity aside, Ranger is an amazing dog. Like he's so smart and he's so fun and he's just like, we love having him. So just trying to focus on all his positive qualities really helps. And then honestly, just hearing hearing some people say like good things about him helps mm-hmm. me. Like I know when you have a reactive dog, it's hard because you don't often get compliments on your dog's behavior. When you're out in public, your dog's barking right. and people are just kind of staring or crossing the street or whatever. But um, we've had a few moments, like we were at our agility class last week and we were practicing. There's other dogs there, yeah, um, of course. And we were doing like downstays and the instructor actually said to me, she, she knows Ranger's reactive because I told her before we enrolled him in the class. She said to me, like having a solid downstay like you do with a reactive dog is such a hard task. Like you've done so well with him. And just yeah. like a moment like that, I was like, okay, there's people who rather noticing yeah. yes, his good behaviors. Like they don't just see him as a reactive dog. Yeah. And just seeing him be happy in the outdoors and exploring. I was like, I just want to him to be able to do this all the time. So mm-hmm. that's kind of what gets me through when, you know, I'm exhausted. I'm like, no, we need to go do training. We need to go do this. I'm just going to push through for him. Right. Something that you said, like triggered me into all these memories. Um, you said, you know, they see him more than just a reactive dog. Yeah. 
And, you know, reactivity is just like this label that we put on it so that people can understand it better. Right. Yeah. And so it's just like, I don't think somebody would label me as, you know, she's just, um, she's just an engineer or like, she's just an anxious girl. Like I am so (laughs) much more than that. So I think it is really, really important to think about all the other qualities of our dogs besides them just having those moments sometimes. And like you said, he is so fun and so smart. Cattle dogs are like super duper smart, right? Yes, they are. He's like smarter than me, which (laughs) (laughs) I say that about Layla too. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, oh, why are you so smart? Like it's annoying, but also I just love seeing what he can learn and figure out. It's just, I could watch him all day. (laughs) Right. How did you like muster up the courage to do an agility class with him, knowing that he is reactive? Yeah. So that, um, I knew when I got a cattle dog, you know, I don't think the average person just goes out and gets a cattle dog. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, because (laughs) they're so high energy and hurting and all the things. (laughs) So I knew I wanted a dog that I would get into dog sports with. So I've wanted to do agility with him. Um, and I always said like, when he's around one, like we'll start once he has some like basic obedience, things like that. But of course, with the reactivity, I wasn't sure if that was a good idea. So I just, I talked to the behaviorists we're working with about it. And she said, if you find a facility that understands reactivity and what he might have different needs than some of the other dogs, like go for it. And she recommended a few places in my area. And she actually said, you know, a big part of what we're doing is like confidence building with Ranger. So Mm -hmm. agility is a really good way to build that confidence. Yeah. So I talked to the facility we're at and I explained who Ranger is and how he is around other dogs. And they said they've had a lot of dogs with spatial needs, things like that. So they suggested we give it a try. And if he didn't, if it was just like a total, like, no, this can't happen after the first class, they'd kind of like, they understood and they would let us, you know, back out. So Mm -hmm. we went and he was nervous at first, but once he started like doing the activities, he was just like radiating confidence and it was the cutest. That's amazing. Yeah, I almost cried in the middle of the first class. <laughs> like he was up on the beam, just like smiling and his instructor even said like, he looks so confident. And I was like, oh my gosh, like he's in this class and there's five other dogs and he's focusing on me and he's like doing the activities. He's not even looking at the other dogs. Like this is, this doesn't happen for us. So this is right. like, yeah. So we just kind of had to like, I mean, obviously it could have gone bad. And, but if it did, I knew that I would just, I would get him out of there if it was Mm -hmm. a negative experience, but I'm so happy it ended up being positive. Oh my gosh. Me too. That makes me like my little heart just (laughs) burst for you. That's really, really exciting. And it's so good to hear that he's doing well in it still. I know so many people that want to do dog sports, but have been nervous due to their dog being reactive or having like some reactive behaviors. Mm -hmm. So it's good that you were able to find a support system and, you know, in your behaviorist and then resources to find a good agility instructor or a place that, that understands your all's needs. Yeah. We wouldn't have been able to do it, you know, without the understanding from the place we're at. Like, you know, they let me put his kennel like away from the other dog kennels and, you know, they make sure that you know, when he's coming out of his kennel, there's not other dogs like rushing out of their kennels at the same time. Mm -hmm. They're very like cautious and they're very supportive and they let him have his space and everything like that. So they've been really great at making him feel comfortable. 
That's awesome. Was it the first place that you went to, or did you have to go to multiple before you found the one that fits? Um, I definitely, like I looked up a bunch of places, but, um, the place that we ended up being at was one that I'd kind of like, I guess like pre-screened in my original search. And I was like, wow, this looks like a lot of people who know what they are talking about. They all, like all the instructors had like border collies and other herding Mm -hmm. dogs. So they would maybe understand Ranger a bit more. And then this was actually the like top place that my behaviorist suggested. So just with that, I reached out to them right away and that's where we ended up going. So it's the first place that we've tried, um, but it was definitely not, we didn't go in blind. We definitely did our research and found a place that would most likely be a good fit. Gotcha. Yeah. You've mentioned a behaviorist a few times. So you're working with a behaviorist and a trainer. Is that right? So we worked with a trainer in the beginning. Um, okay. We did a puppy class and then before Ranger was really showing the reactivity. And then we kind of stayed with her a bit through when, once the reactivity started. But um, again, I just kind of found that it was more that like surface level approach, um, you know, the high rewards and things like that. And it wasn't, you know, where it wasn't what I wanted to be doing with him. So then I did reach out to the behaviorist. So now we are just working with the behaviorist for the reactivity. Okay. So just for everyone listening, can you tell us like what the difference is between a trainer and a behaviorist and how they're helping you in a different way? Yeah. I don't know a hundred percent like what the actual distinction is. I know like our trainer had whatever, like the dog, training her dog training certificates things right, like that the licensing yeah and, and um she worked from like you know the r plus perspective that was her you know training philosophy whereas our behaviorist she has her masters in um animal behavior science so mm-hmm. i think there's just a lot more schooling that she's done um, right and she just really she works from what's called like the fear free perspective so really just like addressing those underlying anxieties in the dogs and like not it's basically about not ever putting the dog in a situation where it's feeling scared or stressed you know okay so that's kind of why we went with her um just more of her like philosophy on helping us and then she is very educated she's very smart she for sure (laughs) yes okay that makes sense so does she do training sessions with you or is it more of like talking through kind of like a situation and how it happened. And then like maybe going through, through some steps with you on like what could have caused it. Yeah. It's kind of a bit of both. So like my first session with her, she just came to our house and we just chatted the whole time. She observed Ranger, you know, in the house just to get to know him. And then I basically just told her about his behavior. And then from there, we've done a few sessions where we actually go out and we see ranger around other dogs and she gives me strategies to help him okay um his reactivity in those moments so it's a bit of both um and then i'm always in contact with her through text or email you know if something happens she'll give me some tips or advice on what to do and she checks in with us things like that so we definitely do those sessions but it's also a lot of like talking and yeah things like that okay yeah that makes sense so and probably like talking to you about Mm -hmm. your mindset and yes just like your overall demeanor about things Mm -hmm. too right yeah definitely she's like 
as much there's a support for Ranger and she is right too. Right? <laughs> yeah, I I uh, worked with a trainer a lot last summer and I'm still in contact with her, but she emotionally supported me just as much as she was there to support Layla. And like, I could not recommend that enough to, you know, find a trainer that cares just as much about you and like kind of where your headspace is at, because that ultimately affects, you know, our dogs too. So I cannot recommend that enough. I'm really glad that you have found somebody that you feel like is doing the same thing for you. Yes. My dad always makes jokes. He calls her the dog therapist. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's kind of, it's kind of like what she is, right? She is Rager's therapist, but also kind of mine when it comes to all my dog needs. Yes. Okay. I, mm -hmm. yeah, you are exactly, exactly right. I love that. Okay. That's like really, really interesting because you hear everyone talking about their trainer, but you never really hear of somebody referring to a behaviorist, behavioralist. Is it behaviorist or behavioralist? I <laughs> say like behaviorist. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, you never really hear of somebody talking about a behaviorist. So it's really interesting to see like what you're saying. And I feel like whenever I was doing virtual training sessions, you know, it was very similar to, we would talk through what happened and then we would maybe diagnose the situation and then think of strategies for next time. Yeah. Instead of it being like an active training session where they take the leash and they do different things. Yeah. And I, honestly, I don't know, like I said, I don't know what the true distinction is, but what makes someone a trainer versus a behaviorist. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if it's just like the schooling, like the woman I'm working with, you know, she has that master's degree. So she right. can maybe call herself a behaviorist at that point where, but I'm sure a lot of trainers like who call themselves trainers work from a very similar perspective as she does. You just have to kind of find what works for you, right? Yep, exactly, exactly. So switching gears a little bit, you told me that Ranger helps keep you accountable, especially in the darker and colder months um, in Alberta. Yes. Snowy months. (laughs) So can you share what this means to you? And then, you know, feel free to give some examples if, if you want. Yeah, of course. So I do live in Alberta. So we have winter for at least six months out of the year. You know, we usually get snow October till April, sometimes May. Um, And it can get very, very cold here. I mean, it gets like this winter, we had days where, okay, I'm from Canada. So I'm going to say minus 38 degrees Celsius. Okay. I don't know what that means to you. <laughs> I don't know either. I yeah. can get up for like, I don't very, know. <laughs> very cold. Yeah. I think at one point we were like in the top 10 coldest places on earth this week. Oh my goodness. Like it was, we had a horrible cold snap. Like it gets, it gets horrible. So are you looking it up right now? I'm trying to. Okay. It's okay. Negative 38 degrees Celsius is negative 36 Fahrenheit. Okay. That's wait. Did you say negative 30? What did you say? Make like minus 38. Oh my gosh. Celsius. <laughs> really cold. Yeah. That's like so really, that's, really cold. <laughs> yes. Like it's, it's horrible. Like, you oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. That was like, we had about a week of that to almost two weeks of that. This oh my gosh. Like it, that's, that's why so cold I asked. I was like, are you, wait, did you say negative? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's. Yeah, it's been horrible. I mean, that's not our whole winter. Luckily, we do have a lot of beautiful days, but that, mm-hmm. you know, it does get to that point. Right. Um, and I know for me, like, 
I do have a history of, you know, struggling with my mental health. And one of the biggest things that works for me is like being outside and being in nature Mm -hmm. and like moving my body are all really good, like wellness things for me. That's sort of like my self-care. Right. But it can be hard when I live where I live and it's so cold. And then it also gets dark at like 4 p.m. in the winter months. So, you know, you come home from work and it's already dark and you just want to like curl up on the couch in a blanket and watch movies, which, you know, seems like a good idea at the time. But then, you know, after six months of this, you feel horrible. You just like, it's not good for your mental health. Like I know a lot of people who struggle with like seasonal affective disorder and, Mm -hmm. you know, have changes in the winter months. So with Ranger, you know, I come home from work and I have this dog who is a cattle dog and he needs to go outside. We need to play. We need to go run around at the park. I mean, obviously I don't take him out when it is minus 38 because that is unsafe for him. But (laughs) when it's still cold, but like safe for him, I have to get outside with him. Or Mm. when it is minus 38, you know, I have to play with him in the basement or I have to do something. So he's really helped me just not get into that rut that I kind of have a history of getting into, you know, he gets me outside and even like, it's like a snowing and it's cold and it's dark. And I'm like, Oh, I don't want to go for a walk. But then, you know, he's looking at me with his little brown eyes and I'm like, okay, we'll go, we'll go. And then I get out there and, you know, I see like the snow on the trees and it's actually kind of beautiful. And, you know, it's, there's not a lot of people out because it's so cold. It's just me and him and he can walk and sniff. And I'm like, you know, this is actually very enjoyable for me. You know, I'm bundled up, up to here and here. And all you can see is my eyes, but I'm, you know, in every winter clothes you can put on, but it's actually enjoyable and it's fun. And it definitely keeps me moving, keeps me active and stops me from just getting into that rut, which yeah that silver lining of seeing all the beautiful things once you actually get out there. Yeah, definitely. It's such a good moment. Yeah. It's definitely made me like appreciate winter more Mm -hmm. (laughs) because a lot of like where I live, it's everyone complains about winter, but we all continue to live here for some reason. Yeah. That's what I was going (laughs) to say. Like you all choose to live there. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) that's true. But yeah, he's just, he's my motivation when I'm in bed and I'm like, Oh, I kind of just feel like laying in bed today. I have to get up. I have a reason to get up. And, you know, as soon as I get up and get outside, I always feel better. Like there's Mm -hmm. never, I don't think there's ever a time when like being out in nature has made me feel worse. Like that just never happened for me. So, but sometimes just getting over that initial hump of getting out of bed or, you know, putting on your winter jacket and your scarf and your mitts and everything Mm -hmm. and just bundling up and getting out. And then once you're out, it's okay. But yes. Yeah. He helps the hardest me. part is, is getting out there. Definitely. Starting it. Yes. And when you have a little dog who needs his exercise, you know, it's not just about you anymore. I'm doing it for him too. So you know what you signed up for. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so a ranger actually isn't your first dog. Um, so what lessons have you learned from your previous dogs that you are carrying over when you are being an owner to Ranger? Yes. So Ranger is not my first dog. We had a dog growing up that was like my family dog. You know, I had a, we got him when I was in grade five. So I had him as a child and then um, he passed away in the fall of 2019. He was old. He had a long, happy life. So yeah, that was my sort of first dog, I guess. Not really my Mm -hmm. dog, my family's dog, but, um, 
And then in the spring of 2020, I got my other dog, Ellie. So we, when we got Ellie, we again got her to be like a family dog. You know, our previous dog had passed away about six months ago. So our, my family loves dogs. So we definitely wanted to get another dog. And it was, you know, at that point, we had been talking about getting a dog before COVID, but then COVID happened and we were, mm -hmm. you know, we are all home. I was still living with my parents at this time. And it just kind of was like, okay, if we're going to get a puppy, like, we can train it now when, you know, I'm home and I'm still living at home. I was planning on moving out like about a year from then. So when we got Ellie, she was, you know, meant to be sort of like the family dog that it would eventually just be like my parents' dog because I was okay. going to move out and she was supposed to be their dog. So yeah, we got Ellie in the spring of 2020, right during that first pandemic lockdown. Um, mm -hmm. And we got her from a breeder, but when we got her, she was 10 months old. So she okay. had been living at the breeder for the first, you know, 10 months of her life. And um, she had had like zero socialization. Like, I don't think she had ever met a person that wasn't the breeder, mm -hmm. just like a little old lady. So she hadn't, I don't think she had ever even met like a man before. Oh, wow. Yeah. And she had not met like any other dogs that weren't you know, her siblings or the other dogs at the breeders who were all, she was an American Eskimo. So they were all American Eskimo. She had okay. never been around a dog that wasn't, didn't look exactly like her. Um, she had never been to a new environment. So we got Ellie and, um, you know, right away, she was just a very, very nervous, anxious dog. Like she was extremely fearful. She was, you know, scared of every person, new environments. She was terrified of other dogs. Um, so, you know, kind of right away, like my family and my friends, they didn't really understand, like, that's not really what they signed up for, I guess, you know, they see, mm -hmm. they thought we were like, oh, we're getting a puppy and, you know, everything's puppy, like playful, happy, social, like bouncing ball of fun. Mm -hmm. But that just wasn't Ellie. She was so nervous. So over time, like I was kind of the one who stepped up for her and really, really worked at like building a bond and eventually me and her, we built like the most beautiful bond. She really came out of her shell. She was so calm. Like I was her person. Like she, with me, she would show that, you know, bouncy puppy, playful, fun little dog. So mm -hmm. um, with me, she was like the best, most fun little girl, but you know, she was still nervous of people and dogs. And she did like start to warm up to a few people. She did end up really liking like my boyfriend and one of my sisters, she warmed up to, but overall, she was just very scared. Um, mm -hmm. So it kind of became clear that like, this dog was not the family dog. This was my dog. So like, the plan was after about a month of having her, like when I move out next year, she will come with me. She is my dog at this point. She has chosen me to be her person. So that's what she needs. And you know, we did. It was like I said, the COVID lockdown. So we did a lot so much together we spent time together every day you know playing training we went on hikes all the time things like that she really we did so many fun things together we made so many memories mm -hmm. um but then in that summer I eventually you know things opened up and I had to go to work so I started working and you know she was home with my parents all day which at this point she was comfortable enough with them she had warmed up enough to be home with them but she didn't mm -hmm like really trust them 
Yeah. You know, um, like she was fine to be around them. She would maybe play with my mom a bit, but she didn't, there definitely wasn't like a trust or a really relationship there. So, um, there was one day where I did come home and I did find out that while I was at work, um, she did get out of the house and she, my, they, my parents, of course, chased after her and they tried to get her back, but she was so scared. She wouldn't like recall to them because she didn't trust them. There was no relationship. She wouldn't recall to them. And then, you know, she was got outside and there's cars and there's people. And she was just so scared. She just like started running and, you know, sadly she did run onto the road and she was hit, which is how she passed away. So we'd had her for about four months when she passed away. Gosh, I don't even remember what your question was at this point. (laughs) You are totally fine. I appreciate you sharing all of that. So, so much. And I know that you wanted to come on this, you know, to mm-hmm. talk one about Ranger, but you know, you yes. felt like this was a big piece of you with how you are with Ranger now. Yes. So I guess that kind of is what the question was. Yes. yes. Um, so, you know, like what from that, mm-hmm. you know, it, I'm sure it changed your whole mindset yes. as a dog owner. Yeah. And so like, what have you learned from that? Or like, what memories do you have that you are carrying over with you and Ranger. Yeah. So with that, obviously, you know, that was such a traumatic experience to go through, you know, even just like from the beginning, getting this dog and, you know, like I was her person. I was her Mm -hmm. only advocate. I was, you know, the one who put in all the work and then, you know, losing her in that way, there was just so much trauma around that. There was so much like feeling of failure like how could I let this happen to her just so much negativity um there was a while where I didn't think I would ever be able to get another dog and then you know eventually like it was about a year after that where I was then moved out living with my boyfriend and we decided we are going to get another dog and that's how we ended up with Ranger so yeah definitely when I got Ranger I was not like I had healed to the point where I could get another dog, but there was still so much trauma that I had not addressed. Like, and when I first got Ranger, I started to, that's when I started to really notice like, wow, I have not dealt with the trauma from losing Ellie. Like I thought I had, but then I realized like, I have not dealt with this. So when I first got Ranger, I was like a nervous wreck about him, like spontaneously something horrible happening to him. Like I would like, he would be sleeping and I would be like laying and like making sure he was breathing, things like that. Like I was so anxious and so Mm -hmm. like I know like most people are anxious when they get a new puppy and like care about its well-being but it was like unhealthy to where I was like just so anxious about him and like the thought of letting him off leash like made me absolutely sick to my stomach I was like I can never let this dog off leash like no sorry like if the door was open and someone was coming in I would just be like holding ranger in my arms like I wouldn't even let anyone open the door if I would like I didn't have a hold of him like Mm -hmm. it was just not healthy And, you know, I guess the one good thing that kind of came out of that was I was like, I am recall training this dog to be perfect. Like, I think I started recall like day one. I was like, we, (laughs) you are going to have the best recall of any dog. So, you know, I was very nervous, but also determined. But I also still had those feelings of like, I failed so poorly with Ellie. Like, I cannot let another dog down. I cannot fail again. Like, Ranger, I need to step up. Ranger needs to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you get a reactive dog and it's right. A again, whole those feelings new, of failure, like, yes, oh my level. gosh, like, how did I fail again? Basically, like I got 
I thought I did everything right this time. You know, and I'm still feeling like I failed. Like, what mm-hmm. do I do? So there was definitely like a lot of trauma that needed to be addressed. Um, and finally I was like, I cannot do this anymore. I need help. So, you know, I actually like got professional help to deal with my trauma, which is like step one, I think. Right. <laughs> the well, step, that, that, step, yeah. step one is like acknowledging that you yes. have it and that you need it. Right. And yes. then step two is like getting that help. Yes, that is true. So that, that was a step that should have happened a long time ago. Um, not better late than never. Yes. But I was like, you know, I can't go on like this. I can't work through Ranger's reactivity and be his person when I'm still dealing with all this anxiety and feelings of failure. Like, you know, that's not what he needs. He needs someone, you know, I, I just can't have this trauma with me while I'm working with him. I need to have fresh eyes. I need to not bear this burden of like everything Ranger does. That's not perfect is going to mess up his whole life or is, you know, my, my doing. Right. So finally like addressing the trauma and realizing that has helped me um, a lot with Ranger. It's like, I don't see his reactivity as me failing. I don't see any of his behavior issues as me failing. I now try to look at it as me helping him is the opposite of failing. Right. Like, right. You know, and that's what, I've, I've mentioned my older sister before. She is like my biggest cheerleader when it comes to dog things. Like she is my biggest support when it comes to anything dog related. And she's like always there to remind me, like the fact that you're doing the things you're doing with Ranger means you're not failing. Like exactly. not everyone would put effort into a dog that's reactive. Exactly. So um, that's definitely how Ellie has influenced me with Ranger. I guess that's sort of more the trauma is like the negative way, but I'd say mm-hmm. the biggest like positive thing that came out of it was she taught me how to be Ranger's advocate, which I think is so, so important. Like I am so comfortable now, like setting boundaries with Ranger, you know, just because of what I dealt with with her, there was so many boundaries to set and there was so much advocating for her that with Ranger, it's like, I'm don't even think when I set a boundary, you know, like if someone will ask like, Oh, can I pet your dog? I'm just like, no, sorry, we're training right now. Like, okay. And it's not like, I don't have that feeling of like, Oh my gosh, like they're going to think that my dog's a bad dog because they can't Mm -hmm. pet my dog, you know, which is, I definitely went through that with Ellie, but now I just don't even think that I'm like, Nope, we're doing our thing. I'm sorry, but that's not what he needs. And I'm his voice. So amazing. Yeah. That's where it's definitely it takes a long time to learn how to do that. And I think if I didn't go through what I went through with Ellie, I wouldn't know how to advocate for him. Mm -hmm. Do you ever feel like Ranger is like your second chance? Yes, definitely. Like, like, okay. I don't really like the term like heart dog or soul dog, just because I think all dogs can be that like Mm -hmm. depending, but like, you know, the bond I had with Ellie was so special that I, there was a part of me that was worried. Like, what if I don't bond with another dog the same way again, which is kind of when I was in the phase of like, I don't know if I could ever get another dog just because Mm -hmm. like, I feel like I'm like not doing her justice. You know, she didn't get a chance to live the life with me. So, right. You know, but now it's kind of like she didn't. So now like, but Ranger does. So I'm definitely like giving Ranger so much and he's so important to me. And it is sort of like a second chance, right? It's like another chance to have your heart dog, your soul dog. Mm -hmm. And that is what Ranger kind of has become to me. 
Beautiful. So you mentioned like going to therapy and like starting to work through some of that trauma, which just Mm -hmm. thank you so much for being so vulnerable and, you know, talking about that. And yeah, well, that's what the podcast is about, right? right? (laughs) It is. It is. It's so that's totally what it's all about. So like, have there been any techniques or anything that really help you or have helped you to kind of overcome some of that guilt and trauma that you experienced with Ellie? Yeah, honestly, like the biggest thing for me has been like utilizing my supports, like, because for so long, like when Ellie first passed away, like I completely shut down. Like mm-hmm. I did not know what to do. Like I had my sister, my older sister as a support, but then, you know, eventually it's like people stop, you know, everyone else moves on. But I felt like I was like, why am I still stuck in this trauma? You know, I was thinking about her every day. There was times where I would just like burst into tears thinking about her like in the shower or just random times. And I was like, why am I still grieving this so hard? And I realized I was like, I don't ever talk about her. Like Mm -hmm. I don't ever. So, you know, or I don't even talk about like, like Ranger's at the beginning, Ranger's behavior issues. I was kind of doing the same thing. I was like, I don't want to talk about this. Like. Mm -hmm. just shutting down that piece of you yeah but then like just learning to like utilize my support and like be open and you know seek help when I need it you know when I you know come home stressed out from a walk like because Ranger had a bad time I don't like go lay in my bed and cry like Mm -hmm. the first thing I usually do is FaceTime my sister and we talk through it and she's always the first person to remind me like you're doing great like he will be okay you guys will be okay you're doing what you need to do right so that makes the world a difference. Like, I don't think you realize how important it is to utilize your supports until you're actually doing it. And then it's like, Oh, wow. I do. I feel better so much faster, but (laughs) yeah, of course. Yeah. Like just talking about it. I feel like whenever you talk about it, sometimes like you expose things that, you know, maybe have been hiding in your subconscious. And then like, it's just like a streamline of thought comes out of your mouth and you're like, Oh, that's why, like, that's it. You yeah. know, same thing with like journaling or, you know, writing, um, in any form. Sometimes I like type out letters to myself and then I just yes. throw them in my Google docs or whatever, Oh my gosh. but just keeping that there, you know, is, or just getting all of that out is so helpful. Yeah, definitely. And I know like, I'm so bad at journaling. <laughs> I'm always like, Oh, I should journal this. Like, I feel like journaling would be such a help. And then it's like the end of the day and I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot to journal today, but right. I plan, I know you're creating a journal and I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. I'm planning on getting it when it comes out. That's amazing. This will help me. But yeah, journaling is kind of this, it's like, you know, you just need to get it out there. You need to talk yep. about it, whether it's with yourself on the pen and paper or whether it's with someone else. And you know, like Ranger's dad, my boyfriend, he's very like the opposite of me where it's like, I'm can be like a really stressed out, like anxious mm-hmm. person. And he is just like, Calm, calm as a cucumber. Like he, yes. Like he, calm and cool as a cucumber. <laughs> yes. It's so calm. And just like, he just like radiates calm energy. He's like, mm-hmm. I don't even know what it is. Like everyone likes him because he's just like so relaxing to be around. So he's definitely like my rock through a lot of it, especially with Ranger. Like when I'm just like stressed out, I'm like, oh my gosh, like this happened. I don't know what to do, blah, 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 blah. Like I'm freaking out. And he just like, saying it to him and just having him like respond Mm -hmm. it's just like immediately calming because he's like okay but and he just like 
sees everything from a different perspective, right? A very positive light. And he helps me like, see the good in Mm -hmm. a situation where I'm like, this was horrible. Like, you know, I have found that with my fiance too. And then also going back to, I know you mentioned Haley and Scout (laughs) going back to them too. Like we, like we being me, you and and Haley, (laughs) we all are like, what's the worst that could happen? Like what, what, let me plan for like plan A, B and C for failure. Like all of this, like you know, we kind of focus on like, how are we going to like fix the negatives? Mm -hmm. And it sounds like all of our partners (laughs) are like, what's the best that could happen? You know, what are the good things? (laughs) Yes. Like I'm definitely, because I know Sean is that same way. Yes. And like, I'm like, (laughs) I'll like come home and like Ranger will, you know, have like one reaction and I'll be like, oh my gosh, like what if he never gets better and he can Mm -hmm. never go outside and he can never go on hikes and he can never be around other people. And like, he just has to be like locked in the yard all day. What's going to happen then? And James is just kind of like, okay, like think of all the dogs that, you know, have been through way worse than what Ranger's been through. And they are able to come out of it. Like, why wouldn't he be able to like, look at the progress we've made so far. And like, you keep working at it. Look at the progress we're going to make. Like, it's not the end of the world because he had one reaction. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it, it feels like it is in the moment. It feels like <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. Everyone, or no, I'm not going to say everyone, but I would say everyone listening to this podcast probably knows exactly what you mean. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you so much for, for coming on. I have one last question before we completely wrap up. Yes. And that is, what does having a dog mom mentality mean to you? Yes. Um, so I think having a dog mom mentality means just like looking at every situation with your dog and thinking like, how can I make this the best possible experience for him? And just like realizing that you are your dog's voice and like you're his advocate. So it's, you know, his life is, you know, a dog's life is not that long, but it's like, you just want to fill it with as much happiness as possible. So with that, you just really have to like embrace that not every moment with your dog is going to be this like happy, perfect, like amazing moment. But that doesn't mean like, you know, even because of that, like even when there is bad moments, every single second you spend with your dog is special and right. like it meet, it's important. So it's just embracing the, the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. The good and the bad and learning yes. from the bad, right? Like yes. Learning from those crappy moments on how we can make the next time better. Yeah. And I mean, even, you know, a crappy moment with your dog is just still a moment with your dog. So that's at the end of the day, what matters. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't heard that one yet. And oh, no. I'm definitely going to write it down <laughs> and Like that's going to be, that's going to be one to remember so that even a crappy moment with your dog is still a, still a moment with your dog. Yes. That's amazing. That's a good one. Really, really good one. Good job, Chris. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I want to thank you again for sharing your story about you and Ellie and for sharing all the special moments that you've had with Ranger so far with us. So if you could tell everyone what your Instagram is. And then we'll let you go. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me and like giving me, you know, a platform again to just like talk about Ellie and, you know, share 
some of our story because it was a very special relationship. But yeah, so you can find me and Ranger on Instagram at the Northern Dingo. Yeah, there's lots of fun photos of him on there. So yeah, exciting. Okay. Thank you so much. And I hope you have a good night. Yeah, you as well. Thank you all for listening to another episode of the Dog Mom Mentality Podcast. My name is Caroline. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Dog Mom Mentality. And if you haven't already, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you are listening. I hope you have a great rest of your day. And if nothing else, I hope you get to play with your dog today.